This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 372 with Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 372. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark are the co-founders of Thrive Inc. They've spent 20 years helping men, women, couples, and teams to resolve difficult conflicts and create strong, thriving relationships. They've written two books, The Beauty of Conflict and The Beauty of Conflict for Couples. They've given presentations on conflict resolution, communication, teamwork, and creative problem solving at Fortune 100 companies like Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, AT&T, and Nationwide, as well as organizations like the Gates Foundation, the University of Washington Medical Center, and the San Francisco Giants. They also run transformational retreats for couples several times a year, including Couples Mojo and Couples Alive. They live and work in Northwest Montana. So as someone who has historically been pretty conflict avoidant, and I was also raised by two very conflict avoidant parents, I knew this conversation was going to be a good one for me. I knew I was going to learn a few things, learn a few tips perhaps. So I did. I learned a lot in this conversation and walked away with some new, really valuable, helpful strategies that I am excited to take with me in order to lean into tension instead of running like hell to get away from it, which is what I'm naturally inclined to do. So listen in to hear Chris Marie and Susan share why conflict, not romance, is the key to a lasting relationship, why walking into tension is important and powerful, how to use the 555 method of conflict resolution, how to grow and evolve in a partnership to share dreams and needs, why compatibility is not the secret to a long and fulfilling relationship, and why you need to show up as a full me in your partnership. This was a fun conversation. I always love when I get to have two people join me as guests. So we got to have a nice little three-way conversation, which is such a treat. There's always a ton of energy in these conversations. So I couldn't be more excited or more honored to welcome to the show, Chris Marie and Susan. Chris Marie and Susan, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you both here today. Oh, we are thrilled. Yes. 
Excited this is going to be fun. So <laughs> she's calling in from Montana and Susan is calling in from San Diego and I'm here in <laughs> Seattle. I mean, we got our bases covered. We do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now and let you go one at a time. So Chris Marie, why don't you kick us off? Wow. So beyond our bio, I was trying to think, what, what is beyond our bio? <laughs> <laughs> Just anything that's like up front and center right now. <laughs> well, we are launching this new book, The Beauty of Conflict for Couples. So that is like very big on my screen and I'm sure Susan's. And it's really fun, like being here with you, this podcast interview, and we launched our podcast. And so there's a lot more outbound expression. And I come from a consulting background where I was very mute about my own, who I was and my personal experience. I was always kind of trying to please the client and my life didn't matter. So this is very different to be more revealing. We use our relationship in the book. We speak about our relationship. So it's just much more out and fun. Oh, so. so fun. A totally different <laughs> use of your resources and energy too. Yeah, exactly. And I did start acting about a decade ago and that got me in theater, but it's still somebody else's story. So to be kind of stepping out on stage with me and us, <laughs> it's kind of much more vulnerable. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, so fun. And Susan, yeah. what about you? Well, similar. The book is probably the big thing. Also right now, I am in San Diego because I am at an Equus event and I'm very passionate about bringing the work I do with horses because they're so relational into the work that we're doing with couples. And so this is an exciting time for me. In addition to the book, we're also launching a new Equus related course, a couples mojo. So those are two things that are coming up between now and the end of the year. And that's pretty exciting. As well. Oh, so cool. I yeah. love it. Okay. So, I mean, you got us, you both jumped right into the book. So let's just go there. So <laughs> you, the book is called the beauty of conflict for couples. And I love the title because I would think that maybe some people don't think conflict is super beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you argue that the key to lasting relationships isn't romance, but it's conflict. Also kind of a controversial statement. I, <laughs> I'm very excited about this. So let's go ahead and just dive right into that. Why is conflict actually a really good thing? Okay, well, well, I'll start. I'll okay. start first. This is Susan. Because, well, obviously it's romance that kind of gets us into being, you know, engaged with another person. But often it's that romance is really generally kind of a, an altered state experience. You're on you know, you're kind of on some dopamine and you also are projecting all of your imagination about this relationship. So totally. though that's a wonderful <laughs> thing, it, that's what gets you in, but it's not what will get you through. What will get you through is when you recognize that you have these differences, things are going to come up. You're not going to have, you're going to start to develop a relationship with this other person and you're not going to agree about things. So, and that's a natural state for conflict. So it's actually the willingness to recognize that as something that's natural, important, and you need to hang in for it that makes relationships resilient and sustainable and last over time. So that's a quick answer to that question. And I know Chris Marie will have more to say on it. <laughs> and I would love to hear, if you want to go ahead and continue that, Chris Marie, and then I would love to hear how you can relate this to your own personal relationship oh, as well. Sure. Well, that, I was even going to go there because, yes. um, <laughs> <laughs> well, even a larger context, you think about like even your listeners and you, Sarah, think about what you learned about conflict growing up. You know, it probably wasn't healthy, good dialogue. And, you know, we didn't usually, most of us did not get good teachers growing up. And for mine me, was avoidance at all costs as well. <laughs> I was raised and also how my mom was raised. Oh, yeah. so it's generational. It's in generational <laughs> conflict avoidance. <laughs> I had kind of a different background where, well, the result is the same. My dad was pretty explosive. He was an army colonel. And mm. every night at dinner, you didn't know what was going to happen. And, and if things did go bad, it could get physical. So it was really scary. So mm. there's that Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour rule. Yeah. He talks about that. And I think it's tipping point where to develop skills in a complex, you know, area, you need 10,000 hours. And I joke that when I went to college, I had already had 10,000 hours in conflict avoidance, diffusion, oh, management, <laughs> <laughs> because it was conflict anxiety. <laughs> exactly. I think I walked away thinking, you know, my voice 
he was so dominant and I was so afraid. Mm. I walked away thinking, my opinion doesn't matter. I just got used to focusing on him and scanning for the cues and then going into action to kind of, I'll, I'll ask a question, I'll rephrase something, I'll, you know, anything to distract. Yeah. And that really after a while became a career limiting, you know, as I moved into my career, that became more limiting because you've got to disagree with power when you're in an organizational situation. And I failed at that and then got blamed for a project. And then when I met Susan, she was like, she dealt with conflict in a whole different way. And I was like, I saw her deal with this really dominant personality. I would even classify kind of a bully personality. And she wasn't caught she was very direct. She put herself in there and I'm like, wow, I want to learn how to do that. And so we started our relationship first working. I brought her in when I was at a top five consulting firm, Arthur Anderson. And I had a project with a messy client after a sexual harassment lawsuit. And I was like, Susan, you're coming with me. And she really helped. She confronted some bad behavior. And I thought, oh my God, she's going to get us fired. And she didn't. <laughs> it was amazing because the people responded and they shifted and they had real conversations. And then we were able to help them with their strategy. And so there was a lot of things that were going on that I'm like, I really want to learn this because it doesn't work to stay quiet for me now anymore. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting because it takes so much conscientiousness and work, I think, especially if you've been raised in your situation, Chris Murray, if you've been raised around like, diffusion, distraction, avoidance, <laughs> it mm -hmm. takes a lot of conscientious effort. Well, I think mm -hmm. I really had to do, and I did, mind-body work because my nervous system, like Susan, when we first got involved 20 years ago, she would raise her voice. It couldn't even be happy. And my system would go on red alert, like, oh my gosh, because I had anger and violence Velcroed together because dad was violent. And I thought, oh my God, bad things are going to happen. I really had to start to become aware of how my nervous system was reacting because it was just wired to do that. And I had to learn some skills to interrupt that and recognize I'm actually safe right here, right now. She's not dad. You know, you can so easily project the past onto the person standing in front of you mm -hmm. and not really be present to what's happening. So I had to do, you're right, conscientiousness, a lot of work to rewire. Right. Can you speak, and Susan, if you want to take this one, um, can you speak to, so with conflict being this key to a lasting relationship, what are the positive outcomes? Because I think we think of conflict as not positive and not necessarily going to have positive outcomes. And I can tell, I can see the power and the purpose in flipping this whole notion on its head. And so what are the positive outcomes from conflict when we learn how to enter into a productive way? This is Susan. So I think one of the biggest things is that we tend to not be able to tolerate the tension, differing opinions. And because, especially in a relationship, you know, if my partner's upset with me, they're going to leave me. Or if my partner's upset with, if they want something different than I want, I'm going to have to change and I feel inundated. Either one of those two things. And that discomfort tends to stop us from actually speaking up and showing up fully. But when we do speak up and show up fully, it's not like, and get out of that kind of right-wrong positioning type of thing. We can begin to explore what's really going on here. What's important to you? Why does this matter? And have much more dialogue without getting trapped in our own kind of fear of, is this going to dissolve the relationship or make it better? And that's actually when creativity occurs. And we talk about this in terms of even the brain. When two opposing ideas are, can be held, that's actually when the brain lights up. That's what a eureka moment is. It happens inside of us, but it also happens between us as a couple. And so that's why, it, and it's not about compromise because a lot of times people think, oh, okay, you got to compromise. We actually think that's, that's something very different. We actually think it's like showing up fully because that's when you can get to something outside of what you thought was possible. Mm. And that's why it's so important, even though tolerating that discomfort, it's, you know, it's never, it's not comfortable to get into tension. It, we didn't call the book the ease of conflict or the joy of conflict. That can be the next book. Yeah, yeah, there we go. And, you know, that I think would be false press. It's right. beauty has right. some depth. It's, we're, you know, we're not trying to sell that this is going to be easy. We're just saying that there's a sense of fulfillment and texture and depth that comes when you go into that conflict. And that is worth it. That's sort yeah. of what, what we believe. 
So the word that you said that really jumped out at me was tension. And (laughs) when I think of tension, I don't know if anyone else has this like instinct, but it makes my stomach just immediately lurch a little bit. Like when I think of tension in a relationship or in an interaction, I want to like just run and hide at all costs. And (laughs) what you're saying is so true though. When we walk into the tension and we show up completely, not necessarily with the goal of compromise, but with the goal of showing up completely, it's the only way to the breakthrough or to like the next next layer or level of depth. Mm -hmm. Yes. I was thinking, this is Chris Marie. I was thinking about how early on I was so afraid and I think it's kind of an enmeshment. I was so afraid I wouldn't exist if Susan got mad. So if I brought something up and she got mad, I'd be like, okay, never mind. It's not that big a deal. And how different it is to bring something up and tolerate, you know, Susan is a separate person with her own reaction and I don't have to change it or control it and have that sense of I'm whole and she is as well. There's such a difference. I feel, I feel more, Well, even how I started saying how expressed I am, that's because I've learned this to be able to speak up and even tolerate this person that I love and care about is not happy. It's not easy, (laughs) but it's gotten a lot better. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have that people pleasing nature or you've come from a background of diffuse, deflect, distract, all that Mm -hmm. stuff, then yeah, it can be really uncomfortable to see someone else uncomfortable, unhappy, especially if you are part of that equation for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. I would say, this is Susan, one of the biggest challenges for us is, you know, like Chris Marie said, early on in our relationship, she would just sort of, if she thought I'd get upset or if I raised my voice, she would back down. And I think she mentioned, you know, she's, I don't know if you mentioned this, Chris Marie, but now she does acting and hip hop and various things. And sometimes when she was trying out for parts for a play or something, it'd be like an eight week commitment. And she'd be like, I'm going to audition for this. And I'd be like, but we have this lined up and this lined up. And she'd be like, okay, I can't do it. And I would be like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, stop that. I don't know whether you can do it or not. I have to have my reaction. I have to be able to tell you the impact it's having on me. And if you just crash and burn, then I don't actually even get to have my experience of being upset. And, you know, there's this place where we can live with that. If not just live with it, but I know she's more alive and fulfilled when she's out on the stage. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I still sometimes get jealous. I get upset that I have to go maybe do something that works when she's you know, trying out for a play. Mm. Both things are true. And if we can hold that both of us are each able to take care of our own emotional state and also appreciate and value the other person showing up and being passionate and alive, now that's pretty exciting. And sometimes that's the reward, but it's, you know, you kind of have to go through it and be willing to feel all those things to get there. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and I love watching her on the stage, even though, you know, sometimes it hasn't always made my life easy, but I sure am glad that she decided to go for it, you know, and not hold back. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a great example of making space for your partner in spite of the sacrifices and understanding that they do and would do the same thing for you. Mm-hmm. And that's uncomfortable. <laughs> There's tension with that. Like, Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. So that makes a ton of sense. So one of the um, things that I think people hold on to is that or a bit of a misnomer is that people think if we're fighting all the time or constantly having these big uncomfortable conversations and if disagreements are just something that's like always out there that we're probably not meant for each other. And so you say that conflict in a relationship can be a positive sign. You talk this through in the book and that actually no conflict could be a red flag. And I'm guessing there's a lot of couple, I know that my parents were in this camp, so I'll use my own parents as an example that my parents didn't ever fight. They also got divorced after seven years of marriage. And so I would agree that no conflict is definitely a red flag. But I think there's probably a lot of couples who come from backgrounds similar to what Chris Marie talked about, where you avoid conflict at all costs, maybe because of your upbringing. And then that of conflict avoidance becomes the red flag or the lack of conflict in your relationship becomes a red flag. So can you speak to the conflict being a positive sign? Well, I was even thinking, I know Susan, you'll want to answer this, but I was thinking about <laughs> me. And when I got in relationship with Susan, I thought my job was to keep everything smooth. That was a sign I was doing my job well and we were happy. Yeah. And I think so many women particularly take that on. And it's what's happening is to keep that smoothness, I'm leaving lots of me out to make sure I'm only bringing forward the parts that you know Susan will be okay with. Right. But we're not very different then. I'm not saying, hey, I'm a separate and equal and valuable human being. And right. where can we meet at those edges? Right. So yeah. I think, go ahead, Susan. Well, I was thinking, you know, you, Chris Marie, I'm, I thought you would go for this one, but I'll just go for it. We have this <laughs> statement that, you know, no boundaries, no conflict. And when we talk about boundaries in the book as being self-defining, bringing yourself forward and saying what you want, what you don't want, what you want more of, what you want less of. And when that doesn't happen, there isn't any conflict. And you also, though, begin to slowly die and you become much more, it's kind of, you become more in your role, apathetic, all sorts of things can happen. Illness can occur, you know, or you get interested in somebody else because you think, oh, this will be, this will be better. And all of those things just take you out of the relationship. But the real reason is because you actually haven't shown up in the relationship. So right. You're showing up as a fraction of yourself. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. We even do, we even talk about relationship math and we talk about one whole person times one whole person equals a whole relationship. But if one person shows up halfway, a whole person 
still equals a half of a relationship. And then if both of you are doing that, you've got a quarter of a relationship. So it's diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such an interesting point. That makes so much sense. So you've helped hundreds of couples reconcile their differences and get their relationships back on track. And you claim the work is not about romance. You say that the thing that makes us tick from messy habits to lack of our partner's sex drive have more potential than anything else to pave the way to true intimacy passion and fulfillment. So explain all of that. (laughs) Well, I'll start with this, Chris Marie. I was thinking about, I'll use an example first, because I am resistant to take vacation. I'm a bit of a workaholic. and (laughs) (laughs) So Susan finally convinced me to take a yoga retreat. And we arrive in Mexico. We come into this beautiful open air palapa. We put down our bags and I let her know, you know, I'm not happy in this relationship. (laughs) She's like, Oh my gosh. This is like minute one of our vacation. (laughs) The vacation that you proposed. Like, let me take you on this lovely vacation, and then you can tell me in the first minute that you're not happy. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And Susan's like, oh my gosh, you know, we just got here. And so she said, listen, I want us to enjoy this vacation, but I also want to provide you space, you know for us to talk about this. And we give this tool in in the book, but we'll just give it here because it's a really good communication tool to kind of digest those messy topics. And it's called a five, 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 meaning in the first five minutes, I talk and Susan just listens and tries not to be really reactive, like rolling your eyes or anything like that. And you (laughs) literally use a timer. And for the second five minutes, Susan talks on the topic. And for the third five minutes, it's a dialogue. And so it's, you know, if one partner's worried about, oh my God, we're going to talk about this for hours, we're not talking about a 5545, it's 555. (laughs) And then you move on. So she said, why don't we do that once a day? And I said, well, can we do it twice a day in the morning and the evening? And she agreed reluctantly, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) And what I started to do is I started, you know, I was like, I'm mad at you about this and this isn't working and this isn't working. And as I did this over the course of our five or seven day workshop that we were doing, I got more and more aware of how much I was unhappy in my life because I wasn't doing acting. I wasn't dancing. I wasn't painting. I was in a job that I didn't like. And so it looks like a problem out there is often a problem in here, right? but it's so easy to project out onto our partner and um, make it about the relationship. I think I answered the question. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. That was, that was great. Did you want to add anything to that, Susan? Well, I, I wanted to say, you know, for me, I think it was so important that I knew she needed to be able to kind of voice that. And I knew if I couldn't put a frame on it, like, like chop it down to five, 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 I wouldn't be able to hold that this wasn't just the end of our relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it really gave me the room to kind of be able to really willingly listen and not take it on. And then also, you know, at the end of that 15 minutes, you know, the commitment was to go out and actually enjoy yoga and different things we were doing and having some vacation time. So I think we did, it really provided each of us what we needed to be able to explore this difficult topic. And we tell people anything that's really huge like that for you, the the 555 is a great way to chop it down and be able to begin to really show up and talk to each other about these tough topics. Yeah. Like sex or money or in-laws or kids, you know, Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I'm also thinking about kind of innate personality type and how that can be involved as well. And I'm thinking for someone like me, I'm an external processor. And sometimes that creates a lot of stress for my partner (laughs) because I will be talking through something because it makes me feel better to talk something through out loud. And he's just taking it all on. And this actually happened recently. We were out on a date night and I got a text about like something we needed to do the next day. And there was some indecision around like how it was going to all be arranged. And so I'm starting to talk through all these different options. Well, we could do this and this and this, or maybe we should do it this way. It involved our child, like all these different components. And at the end of the night, he was like, this was a really stressful date night. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you were just so anxious the whole time. And I was like, I wasn't anxious at all. Like this was so helpful to me because we got to like spend the whole day night talking out this plan for tomorrow. And he's like, the last thing I wanted to do is talk about the plan, like the logistics of childcare for tomorrow. <laughs> like he was, and so we just had this totally different view of what this evening had been. And I was like, oh, this was great. I got to process with you. <laughs> oh, 
And he's like, I don't want to process because <laughs> like, it's just innate personality type. Like he wanted to go to dinner and then we were going to some sort of a music event or something after. And he wanted to be able to be really in that moment. And I wanted to be like in planning mode for Saturday. And right. So I think That's- having a framework, I love the idea of having a framework to be like, hey, can we just like do a quick five, five, five or whatever and have some parameters. And for someone like me, it keeps me in check so that I'm not overwhelming my partner. And it keeps a partner in check in terms of I can give this much. Like I don't have to hold everything all the time if that's not my nature. It's yes. so true. Yeah. It creates a really neat little boundary and you yeah. can spend 15 minutes because I tend to be slower. Susan's more like you, Sarah, I think more real time. And I think, oh, you're so anxious. And she's like, same thing. Like we could repeat your conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so, like, I'm, yeah. Well, and especially when he was like, you were just so stressed out all night. And I was like, I literally did not feel any stress tonight. <laughs> but the way I yes. present, and especially when I'm getting like, when I'm trying to put together a plan quickly, I talk super fast. And, like, so like, <laughs> and we've been together for 15 years. I'm like, how do you not know this about me? <laughs> it's so funny. Exactly. Like this is our third okay. date with when I'm talking too fast. <laughs> so oh, that funny. is so true. And we, you know, I mean, that's the thing. We naturally have different experiences all the time. You may be with somebody for, we've been together for 20 years and there's still times I don't even know myself. I've been living in this body for 59. How could I pretend to know all about Chris Marie? And yet we make these assumptions that we actually totally get each other versus, wait a minute, you're having a very different reaction to this than I thought you would. You know, like, and that's the piece when couples can get to this may not be about me or there's nothing wrong here. We just have different styles or different Mm -hmm. ways of thinking about it. And get curious in that different perspective. Like, wow, you know, you have a very different take on, with us, it's money. We have very different viewpoints about money and finances. And for a long time, this was a stressful thing for us to talk about. Now it's more like, okay, let's break this down. Five by five helps, or even looking at why is this so important to you? This, you know, that we save all this money, or why is it so important that we take this vacation? And if we can start to explore it versus getting into the right wrong of it, it's so much richer. But it does take that willingness to recognize this other person is different than me. And I need to tell them what I think is going on and find out if that is true for them or not, you know, if it's for them. Because I think couples... Well, yeah, this Chris Marie, because I think so often we're dealing with the top layer. Like we can predict how our partners are going to behave because we've been watching them, you know, but that's the outside layer. There's so much like there is in us so much layers underneath that are driving us our core values. And so that's why we talk about, we define intimacy as into me see, meaning I'm going to actually open up and reveal and be vulnerable and even curious about myself. And you'll get to know me because I'm revealing and then I'll be curious and interested in you. And Susan brought up this piece like when I ask, especially when I think she's doing something that's like, oh my gosh, we're so different on this. If I can slow down and ask that question, why is this so important to you? What starts to come to the surface, and she may not even be aware of it until she starts speaking about it, is what is her motivating force and her core values. And gosh, this is why it matters because I never had this when I was a kid or whatever it is. And that, then you start to get to that connection place where you see this other person as a human and you feel that connection. And that's when new solutions come to old problems because you're solving them at a different level. You're not solving just the, we're not rushing to a solution. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you two have been together for 20 years. My husband and I have been together for 15 years. I'm curious your thoughts on how to make space for growth and evolution because it sounds like you have done that mm-hmm. and conscientious way. I think that one of the things that can cause tension and discomfort in a relationship over time is that we grow and we do evolve. And sometimes that's in different ways. And sometimes those growth tracks overlap and intersect with our partners. And sometimes they're very parallel and not necessarily at the expense of our relationship. They just are parallel for various reasons, but how can we create space for partners to grow and evolve? And how do we keep the communication open in terms of letting people know what we want and the directions that we want to go that are new and different. Cause I think that there can be a lot of fear in partners growth. Um, when we see a partner yeah. moving in a new direction. I'll start with that just because, you know, it's interesting 
like we also have done a lot of work in corporate America, working with teams and companies. And it's interesting because in the corporate world, they are quick to take time for strategy and looking ahead and block off time to figure out how they're going to get there. Meetings are a big thing. Now, it's interesting that does not happen with couples. And so one thing that I think is really vital to couples, you know, recognizing that they're going to evolve and grow is to actually schedule time. I mean, I'm not talking about like a corporate, you know, meeting check, but I am talking about, hey, we need to get together and talk about where our dreams are now. Where are we going? Are we aligned, not aligned? What are you wanting? What are you wanting more of? What are you wanting less of? And that time, you know, most of the time that happens with couples by brushing their teeth or they're having dinner with the in-laws or traveling somewhere. It's not really time where they're taking some space and really going a little deeper and maybe exploring something new and different than they've done before. I mean, part of the thing we found so profound about the couples programs we do is that, you know, these couples take four or five days away and they're exploring all sorts of things from, you know, are they aligned or not? They're actually in the company of other couples that are doing the same thing. And that's incredibly powerful. But that so often, it's hard to do that in your day-to-day life. It gets too busy. You think you're spending all your time together, but you don't actually spend the time having that intentional conversation. So yeah. that's one piece. I love that idea around an intentional conversation too, because especially if you have small children, there's, <laughs> there's not time for conversation, intentional mm-hmm. conversation. And there's also not the energy for Like you get to the end of the day and you're like, yeah. I don't have the energy to care. <laughs> right. I want to do. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, this is Chris Marie, just that process of growing. Cause I think when we first got together, we were working in first corporate America together all the time because we started our company pretty soon after we got together. And we were also leading individual um, personal workshops. And then I, you know, I started going into the acting. And then Susan started going into the Equus work, working with people using horses. And then I, for the last couple of years, also got involved in Mama Gina, which is the School of Womanly Arts. And I would say each time one of us takes a step, you know, kind of you can't see me, but I'm kind of like one step over here, like my arms going this way and the other person's going the other way. It brings up, oh my gosh, are you going to leave me? Maybe you're going to learn something that's going to take you away or meet somebody. I think is right. That's a big one. And what we have found is if you keep bringing in what you're learning and it's kind of like even, so this is another radical view. When we talk about when you have attractions for other people, which thank goodness we're all breathing and living people. We will have attractions for people besides our partner. They, their partner is not our end-all, be-all sexual icon. They may be somebody that we engage with, but we talk about how powerful it is to actually talk to your partner about who you're attracted to and why. And with the intention, I'm not going to act on it, but you get to know more about me and what makes me feel juicy and alive And I'm bringing the intimacy into the relationship. If I don't talk about what's happening, whether it's an attraction or this new exciting thing I'm doing, I'm kind of having emotional intimacy outside of the relationship versus I can fuel the energy of the relationship if I'm willing to say, yeah, I'm attracted to my teacher in this new program. I think, you know, whatever it is. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm wondering if a bunch of people listening were like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about that. <laughs> we see something attractive in someone who's not our partner. We're like, well, definitely shouldn't share that. Like, I wouldn't want my partner to feel that. I feel like <laughs> something. Right. I mean, I think it's kind of like a couple of different assumptions. We think, well, once we get married or choose, whatever that looks like, we think this person should meet all our sexual needs. And of course, we're going to participate, but we are each our own erotic creature and we are inspired through different things and letting that continue to live and be alive, but then bringing it into the relationship is so, it's just juicy. It makes things more erotic. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, this is Susan, I'll add to that. I mean, the thing about it is if you really are working on intimacy, getting to know this intimacy, know each other better, I mean, this may be a bit of a drag for people to hear, but often the sexual charge can go down a little bit in a relationship. It's not as juicy. You have to work at it. So because you get to know this person and that that actually creates some safety and connection and things like that, fulfillment, but that's not always as chargy and exciting as it may be when you see somebody, you know, your ideal sexual attraction. And so 
you know, if you don't recognize that by the nature of getting to know each other, you may flatten some of that sexual charge, then when you feel it outside, it's no wonder you do, but you have to be willing to talk about that and then bring it back in. And it can be really juicy. I mean, I, Chris Marie always gets picked for the sexy, sexy woman parts in her play. And so I usually, it's some guy up on the stage who she's kissing or whatever. Else, and I actually have fun seeing how jealous I can feel <laughs> and, <laughs> and then that. tell her about it. And then like, yeah, I was pretty jealous, you know, but as, if we can talk about it, that's actually kind of, that actually is kind of juicy. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. I love that, this whole concept. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit more about Mm -hmm. intimacy. And one of the common complaints that you hear from women in long-term relationships is that they feel alone and crave more intimacy. So you say it's possible to achieve intimacy without going to couples counseling, or even if your partner doesn't want to do the work. So how is that possible? Because I think a lot of people... And it could be the man or the woman in the relationship or in a same-sex marriage or connect, uh, relationship, one or partner, not the other. But we often feel like I'm willing to put it in or I am putting in the work, but my partner is not reciprocating. So talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, often when I'm coaching women, they will say, you know, I think I married the wrong person. You know, he's not interested. And there's actually so much that it's kind of like me when I went to the yoga retreat, I was sitting there blaming Susan and thinking she had to change, you know, this isn't working because of you. (laughs) And what I recognized is, oh my gosh, there is so much that I'm not doing and so much that I can use to inspire myself and connect to my creativity and do different things. And, and if I'm doing different things, Susan's going to want to talk to me, even if she's, you know, because she's likely to feel a little bit more threatened, like we just talked about. So it's going to drive conversation and connection Mm -hmm. in a way that it hasn't. So we weren't aiming for this, but we developed a relationship mojo for one person in the relationship to work on themselves. It's a little course, because so often people think, no, we both have to do this. And it's great if you both want to. I was always dragging Susan to things. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with EarnIn. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. (laughs) But I really got how much I can do to enliven myself Mm -hmm. and then I show up differently and the dynamic shifts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see that too. When my husband and I were early on dating, I kept buying relationship books that were like books you could fill in together. And <laughs> and I got him on a plane one time. We were going from Seattle to Hawaii, so it's like a five hour flight. And I was like, look what I brought. And it was like the book of questions for new relationships or something for us to fill out together on the plane. And he was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> You sound like me in that one. Oh my gosh. And I was like, this will be so fun. He was like, no. no. <laughs> we, like, so we made some sort of bar. I was like, how about, will you do three questions? <laughs> I think we did three questions in like three minutes. And then he was like, now we're done. <laughs> well, it's interesting. This is Susan, because I am the one who Chris Marie usually is saying, we need to do this or let's read this book together and let's do this. And I actually do get a lot of value out of some of that. And so I, won't say that I don't ever participate. However, I often have to remind her that may not be the way that I actually thrive and grow. It might be something different. And so one of the things that I have found in working with couples is, you know, it's kind of like Chris Marie says to me, I want us to go do this because I think our relationship's a little bit flat. I could find out, you know, what's going on there and go do it. And then there might be times when I want to say to her, I want you to go do this with me. Like we went on a bike touring trip for my birthday. She doesn't particularly like bike touring trips, but (laughs) it was, you know, she did it because she's like, okay, this is important to you. And she didn't like, you know, actually she did for the first few days of that trip, kind of compromise and try to do everything she thought she should do. But then when she realized, no, I just have to show up here. I can stay alongside the pool if I want. I don't have to go biking, but she was there with me so we could enjoy it together and talk about it. But it was very different things that I found meaningful to talk about than she might. And again, if we don't make that wrong and sometimes go, okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. And I'm going to see it through your eyes. Why is this something that you find so fulfilling? And usually I don't like it. Or, you know, couples can bring that curiosity into whatever their partner may be asking them to do. It's a whole different thing. And, you know, that does take, and it does mean, that's how you actually expand intimacy. It's not just, sometimes it's emotional intimacy. Sometimes it's trying new and different things. Could be new sexual positions, all sorts of things that you could try, you know, that could kind of bring something different to the relationship and you could learn something about each other. This episode is supported by Brewmate. Brewmate is stylish, insulated drinkware designed to keep your favorite beverages ice cold all day long. Whatever your taste in beer, wine, spirits, or anything else, Brewmate makes sure that every sip is the perfect temperature. So I've told you already that I have the Brewmate Wine Insulator, which you can put a whole bottle of wine in, and it has a little funnel that makes it super easy to pour. And then we also have the uncorked wine glasses, which are awesome. I also use them for coffee. So it keeps your hot things hot and your cold things cold. We use these all summer. They were perfect for camping, but I honestly, I use them any day that I want to keep something cold in the afternoon. I use my broommate. They also have, okay, I just learned this and I might have to go get one. I don't have this, but I'm pretty intrigued by it and pretty excited about it. They have the largest insulated champagne flute in the world. So they have a 12 ounce insulated champagne flute pretty cool. It features a drink through flip top lid that holds in the carbonation and keeps your bubbly ice cold. So no one told me about this, by the way, and I'm going to have to go get the champagne flute because it sounds awesome. So if you are needing a great gift for someone or just a little gift for yourself, which I'm always encouraging, I want you to go check out everything Brewmate has because like I said, they have a great selection of products, but all their products are cute, fun. I think the wine glasses come in like 30 different colors. So, so many options. You're going to want to get like four of them. And so go over, you're going to go to brewmate.com and use the code shameless and get 15% off your first order. That is brewmate.com code shameless, B-R-U-M-A-T-E.com code shameless to save 15%. 
My husband loves museums and big city vacations, and I believe it's not vacation unless there's a beach. <laughs> so we have, I'm thinking of your bike tour, and I'm like, oh, I totally relate to like different opinions of what is vacation or relaxing or those kinds of things because like my husband can spend 18 hours in one museum and I can spend 18 minutes and one <laughs> yeah. like, I saw more than enough. I'm done. I'll be in the gift shop. But it yeah. is interesting when you meet someone where they're at, like he doesn't care if we go to a museum and I'm done in 18 minutes and I'm just like, I'm going to be over here having coffee. <laughs> like yeah. he doesn't expect me to stay by his side the whole time and, and enjoy yeah. it to the same extent, which is refreshing because when early on in our relationship, when he wanted to do stuff like that, I was like, Oh my God, I have to pretend that I like this for the whole day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. actually though too often that's what people do. Now, I mean, if you did kind of approach it differently and say, okay, I may want to explore it to find out why you find this so much fun. Like I have done things with Chris Marie where it's like, you know, acting is one of them. I went to, no, actually painting. She took me to a painting, a Taos painting where I am not an artist. I don't like to paint, but I painted for seven days. Every day was process painting. But what was most fascinating to me was watching in her and seeing just how alive and it much enjoyment she got out of it. And then that actually kind of got me like, okay, this is, maybe it's, you know, there's more to this. Yeah. But I think I can't motivate myself differently. If your partner wants to do something, you can kind of submit and kind of go along. Okay, I hate this. I'm going to do this. Or you can kind of surrender. And that's kind of the energy of like, oh, okay. Why is this so important to you? Tell me about it. Like you're kind of riding along their experience and getting to know them as a way of creating more intimacy. Yeah. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So many people believe that compatibility is the number one indicator of whether or not two people can be successful in a relationship. And you claim that compatibility is not the secret to a long and fulfilling relationship. So if it's not compatibility, what is it? Well, I think we, but this is Chris Marie, there's incompatibility. It's kind of sameness. We like the same things. And while that can be convenient and nice to start, we are attracted to somebody usually because of the differences. That's what creates, like you think about two magnets. It's the opposite poles, that sort. And I'm not saying opposites attract, but there is that tension that wants to pull together and get to know. So having everything be the same can be kind of eventually mundane versus, wow, you are so amazingly different than me. Help me understand. If you can stay interested in that tension and that edge, Mm. then it creates a lot of spark and aliveness. Yes. I like that. Do you want to add, Susan? I was thinking, I would not want to be married to someone like myself. I mean, I've had enough issues (laughs) trying to figure out, you know? So I don't really, it's like, no, I don't want someone the same as me. Thank goodness there's somebody different out there that can help me see that there are ways not to spend so much time suffering in in my own drama. So I actually, (laughs) I had no problem grasping that. So, but I do think also though, the big challenge was learning how to respect those differences and really appreciate this person for being so different than me. Because if I don't make myself uncomfortable and I don't make myself wrong, like she just thinks very differently about money or about whatever it is, I can then like, all right, this is kind of cool because actually you have more space covered. It's like, there's more chances. The key is, do I respect her for those differences? Do I appreciate her for them? And that's, you know, when you get stuck thinking, no, I actually don't appreciate that's when you have to probably explore more. Why not? And usually it's because either, you know, I feel envious or jealous or something. And then I can look at what am I not? Why am I feeling that way? What is that about for me? I'm a pretty type A perfectionistic (laughs) control freak kind of person. And I have a husband who's not that way, which sometimes <laughs> is hard. <laughs> and, but I also think if he, if we were the same, mm-hmm. I mean, okay. no one be- would want to be in our company. Right. If there was two of me, like, <laughs> that would be just trying to control everything perfectly all the time. Yeah. That was, Sarah, you and I would be in relationship. It would be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> we're <laughs> controlling. <laughs> Well, I, I also was thinking, Sarah, you know, because this, you're talking to a lot of moms and I don't have kids, but my sister, my older sister has kids and she and her husband are like totally different parents. I was around them a lot, 
when their kids were young and their parenting styles could not be more different. Mm. And in some respects, I think of my niece and nephew and they are two of the most, they just come into their own in each their own way because they kind of had to because their parents had such different styles. Mm. And it was such a great example to me of watching them. One, I think it was because my sister and her, and her partner were appreciated each other. And that worked. I mean, sometimes there was tension around it, but for the most part, you know, it kind of left the kids as they grew up having the opportunity to choose, oh, this is good, but this is good also. So I think it can be quite a powerful thing, even though, you know, it can also be very challenging when it's like, wow, you know, I just remember my sister used to get so mad and I can't believe you didn't feed them for 24 hours and, you know, because of something. And it would be like, okay, you know, but they had an incredible experience. They have no food in their bellies, but they'll survive. You know, I can remember coaching them many times about this is not the end of the world. Oh and if gosh. they, you know, there's a chance they're going to actually develop their own sense of autonomy and choice because they're having to constantly live in you guys being different. And I've seen that evolve over the years, which has been kind of cool. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, this has been so fun. I want to be respectful of your time. So we need to wrap it up here. But is there anything else you want to leave everyone with? And we'll get to links and where people can find you in just a minute. But any last comments, you know, couples embracing conflict, walking into the tension, et cetera. This is Chris Marie. And I would say, especially since I was somebody who was really trying to do it right and get do be a good partner, I really want to encourage your moms out there to really show up as a full me. We call it the me and the we. Like, be a full me, take the risk of saying something. And yes, it's going to get messy. But if you can be interested and curious about how that's landing over there for your partner, that's where the connection is created. Mm, I love it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Anything for you, Susan? Well, the thing that I was thinking, and one of the reasons that I am passionate about this book, aside from the stuff we mentioned, is that, you know, it's interesting. There is no formula to how to relate right. You know, as soon as you get into rightness and wrongness, you've actually stopped relating. And Mm -hmm. so I really hope that this will allow couples to begin to find out, you know, there isn't one way to do this. So if they can actually recognize that and that together they have the resources to define their relationship the way that works for them both as a me and a we, that's pretty exciting. And I think too often people are looking for what should I do or how should I do it? But there's no right way to relate. (laughs) So that would be the the thing. I love it. That gives us a lot of space to not mess up. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, often when we're with couples and we're leading a workshop, the couples, because we don't usually talk about stuff that's going on really in our friends' relationships. And then, you know, things start to become apparent and you're like, we're not so broken. Look, they struggle with the same thing we do. You know, there's so so much commonality. Oh my gosh. So much. Oh, this has been so great, Chris Marie and Susan. I appreciate you being here and I appreciate your work so much. I know our listeners are going to get a ton of value out of this conversation and many of them might want to continue the conversation with you. So where can people find you, connect with you and get the book, The Beauty of Conflict for Couples? Yes. Well, our website is Thrive Inc. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com. That's our main website. But our book, The Beauty of Conflict for Couples is available on Amazon and there was something else you asked me that I thought I should share. I asked for where people can find you and get yeah. the book. I think those were the only two things. Okay. Oh, and you, can also, <laughs> you can also learn about the book. We did build a website, beautyofconflict.com. That's a little Perfect. bit more. Yeah. Perfect. And we'll have all that linked up in the show notes so people can pop over and click on links and make it super accessible if you're driving right now and can't safely write anything down. So just go to the show notes over at shamelessmom.com. This has been a joy. So fun. It's such a treat when I get to have two people on. So I just appreciate you both. I know that we were dealing with you being in separate locations and everything. So I just appreciate you both making the accommodations to be here today. This has been a great conversation and I know it's going to impact a lot of lives. So thank you for your time. You're delightful. Can I add one other thing, Sarah, before, because I I did, what I was thinking is, you know, I think you did say if they want to work with us or anything like that, we are doing a workshop that includes the horses, a couples mojo workshop in October. It's in a beautiful location in Arizona and they can find out all about that at the website, but you know, you get a chance. 
Mamas, before you carry on with your day, do not forget to pop over and grab your Shameless Mom Con 2020 tickets. They are on super sale with a special discount for buddy tickets for a very limited time. Go over to shamelessmomcon.com to get your tickets today. That's shamelessmomcon.com. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us, 